Good evening. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And we'll commence reading in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And we'll open in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for allowing us to come here tonight, Lord. That you would just um, work in me, Lord, that you would just help calm my nerves and that you would speak through me. I pray that you just prepare our hearts and our minds to um, listen and to apply what we learn tonight, Lord. I ask for forgiveness if I do say anything that's wrong, Lord, and I pray that those things would be forgotten and that only your truth would remain, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have been looking through Titus when I've been preaching, which has been a while. Um, and we, in chapter 2 we've been looking at certain um, ways that people ought to live. We found in um, the first couple of verses how different groups of people ought to live, how the aged men, the aged women, the young women and, and the young men should live. We saw how um, servants ought to conduct themselves. Then we found the um, change that salvation should bring about how it teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and that we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. The last time I, I preached, we looked at verse 13 and verse 13 gave us um, a reason to do, live by according to these um, teachings and that was that we have a future hope, that one day we will see Christ and we ought to live righteously so that we're not ashamed when he comes. And following along with this, Paul continues to give us some more reasons as to why we ought to live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world in verse 14. And what we find here is we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world because of four parts of Christ's work. See, Christ has done things for us. Christ has made sacrifices for us. He has worked in us. And these ought to bring about changes. And it's very important for us that as we conduct ourselves from day to day that we remember these four things so that when we, call into, when we begin to question why we should live a certain way or conduct ourselves in a certain way, that we can remind ourselves that yes, we are required to. So the first part of Christ's work that we find in verse 14 is that Christ gave himself for us. Starting in verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. You know, Christ gave himself for us. The word gave means to present or yield or in sacrifice. 
Christ didn't have to give himself for us. There was no advantage to God to sacrifice his son. There was no advantage that he would gain anything. Christ simply offered himself to pay for our sins. And why did he do this? What was his motive for sacrificing himself? Well, John 3.16 tells us that his love was his motive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We should never forget God's love for us. Now, God proved his love when he did send his son. God proved that he loved the world despite its wickedness. Now, when we consider what Christ gave up to give his life for us, it should encourage us to live righteously. Now, when we consider that he gave up heaven's glory, he came to earth and lived a despised life. He was betrayed. He was rejected. He suffered the pain of the cross. He wore the shame and its humiliation. He bore the weight of the sins of the entire world for us. And he was separated from God, his Father. Christ gave up so much. He sacrificed so much for us. And he did it out of love. Yet how often do we question him? How often do we turn around and reject this love? When he asks us to live righteously, do we reject that commandment? Do we say that we want to live the way we want to live? Now Christ gave up so much and it was because of God's love that we love him. Turn with me to 1 John and chapter 4. First John in chapter 4, looking in verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Consider that. We love him because he first loved us. Mankind never would have turned to God had God first not acted and showed his love towards mankind. Mankind is fully, mankind was full of sin. Mankind had rejected God. So God showed his love towards mankind. He sent his son to die for mankind's sins. And now it falls to every person to accept or reject that love. Christ gave up so much for mankind. He gave himself for us. Ought we not be, we, shouldn't we be willing to give up the world for him? Now when we consider what this world offers us, how its pleasures only last a mere season, 
How oft times when the world offers us something, it usually ends in pain and sorrow. But when Christ offers us eternal life, we know that will never end. We know that we will have eternal joy. There will be no longer pain and suffering. Now we ought to live righteously in this present world because Christ gave up so much for us. Christ gives us so much. The second part of Christ's work we find in verse 14 is that Christ redeemed us from all iniquity, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. The word redeem means to release for a ransom or to deliver or liberate. And before Christ came, mankind was a slave to sin. Mankind was bound in the slave market, condemned, un- and they were unable to save themselves. There was nothing that mankind could do. We had no hope. And this was brought about because we violated God's law. You know, that's what the word iniquity means. It means to violate God's law. You know, that, that's what made us slaves to sin. That's what brought us down to such a terrible and lowly state. And there was no, no work that we could do, no price that we pay that would free us from that state. But then Christ came and he redeemed us. But this price, the price that he paid, wasn't silver, it wasn't gold. It was his own blood. Turn with me to, to 1 Peter in chapter 1. Looking in verse 18 and 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with cruel things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as, a, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Now we were redeemed through Christ's precious blood. That was the price that was required to be paid for our salvation. Now, nothing else would satisfy the law. When the law was broken, the punishment was death. And that is, what, that is the price that Christ paid for us. Paid for us. You now, I want us to think about that for a moment. Now, if you ever thought that you were worthless, if you ever thought that you know, you, your life had no meaning, if you ever had one of those depressed moments where you went about and nothing seemed to go right, those times when life just had no joy, you looked at the world and or you looked around you and there was no love, And you thought, how worthless is my life? Is there any point to it? But we must remember that Christ's blood was precious. 
It was so precious that it could buy our salvation. And God was willing to use that commodity to save us. If you ever doubt your worth, remember that. You are precious to God. He loved you so much that he was willing to send his son to save you. Shouldn't that inspire you to live righteously? Despite how dark our world may be, despite how worthless sometimes we may consider ourselves, God holds us with such love. And he has done so much for us. And yet when he commands us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, we ask why should we do that? You know, he has redeemed us from a life of sin, yet how often do we fall back into it? He's pulled us out of that way. And when he asks us to put it that way aside, we question, we fight back. Now Christ has redeemed us from all iniquity. And we ought to see that redemption as a new start, as a way to live righteously. This leads us to the third work, of the third part of Christ's work. Christ has purified us, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purified unto himself a peculiar people. You know, Christ has purified unto himself a peculiar people. Christ has purified us. When we accept Christ as our saviour, we receive a new nature. And this new nature allows us to say no to sin. It allows us to reject temptation's pull. The word purify means to cleanse or to render pure. It also carries with it the idea to free something from the influence of something else. You know, we have been freed from the influence of sin. We are no longer bound to its bidding. Now we must understand that this purifying doesn't make us perfect. We still have sinful nature. We still do the wrong things sometimes. Neither is this sinful nature, neither is this um, purifying instantaneous. It takes time. You know, it is more, it is often compared to a craftsman who is chipping away at a piece of marble, creating a wonderful piece of art, one hammer stroke at a time. And turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. 
we, are still, we still have the sinful nature within us. And it is always trying to get us to slip up. It is always trying to convince us that we do not need to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And as we progress through our day-to-day lives, we need to give over our control to the Spirit so that it will work in us. And as it works in us, it should begin to create an imitation of Christ. God cleanses us so that we can begin to live more holy. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 tells us that God cleanses us from all unrighteousnesses. All we have to do is confess our sins to him and he's just and faithful and he's willing just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousnesses. Romans chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13 tell us that we ought to present our bodies a living sacrifice and that we are not to be conformed to this world but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We ought to be different from the world. You know, this is what teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. This is what teaches us to live soberly, righteously and godly. You know, we have been purified to be a peculiar people. Now, the word peculiar here does not mean odd or different. Although Christians ought to be different from the world. The word peculiar here is to be a purchased possession belonging to no one else. You know, Christ has redeemed us. He has paid the price for us. We are his possession. And he is purifying us so that that possession live a life that he has laid down for for us. Now we are his chosen people. Turn with me to 1 Peter in chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. You know, we have been cho- we are a chosen generation. We have been set aside as a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And God calls us now to show forth the his of the praises of him. We are to praise God and show others who God is. You know, he has brought us out of darkness and into light. And that light is, his, is himself. So when God tells us to live soberly, righteously and godly, we ought not to backchat him and, and question why. We are his purchased possessions. He should not have to fight for our affection and our obedience.
We ought to submit to him as a servant submits to its master. The fourth Christ's work is Christ's expectation of us. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now Christ expects us to do good works. Christ has gave, Christ gave himself for us. He redeemed us. He is, purifi- he is purifying us. And this ought to bring about good works. The word zealous means to be an imitator or a devoted adherent. But who are we imitating? If you looked at your life today, who are you imitating? Are you imitating the world or are you imitating Christ? You know, Christ obeyed God the Father when he was on earth. When God the Father sent, told him to go someplace, he went there. When God the Father told him to do something, he did it. When Christ trusted in his Father, he knew that God would always supply all of his needs. Do we follow that example? Do we obey God when he tells us to go places or to do certain things? Do we trust in God to supply all our needs? We ought to imitate Christ. And through by imitating Christ, we ought to be then doing good works. The word good means to be profitable or useful. Turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 2. Starting in verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, we are not saved by works, but we have been saved so that we do good works. You know, we created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Word ordained means prepare. You know, God has prepared the way for us to do good works. He's given us the Holy Ghost so that we can put aside the world and live a Christ-like life so that we can do good works. He provides all the needs that we require to do the good works. And he calls us to do those good works. He gives us all the training. He provides for us all the knowledge we require. And works are important. As I said, they're not important for our salvation, but they are important for many things. Firstly, they, they are important because they show our, that they, sorry, 
They're important because they show our salvation. Turn with me to James in chapter 2. Starting in verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, our works are important. Our works are good indicators as to our Christian walk. They are good indicators to our spiritual condition. You know, there are many people that can talk the talk, but they cannot walk the walk. When Christ calls us to do good works, we shouldn't argue about it. We should just do it. Now, we will find it difficult to do good works if we are not being Christ-like, if we are not imitating him. And that's because we are out of God's will. Now, sometimes when we are out of God's will, nothing seems to go right. That's because we've closed up the supply lines from God. We've cut ourselves off from him. But when we live Christ-like, God provides our needs. We are expected to do good works. Now, doing good works means that we are putting aside ungodliness and worldly lusts. Doing good works means that we live soberly, righteously and godly. We should never forget this. When we are called to live righteously, now the, here is the reason why. Christ's work in us. We should never forget that Christ gave himself for us. We should never forget that in giving himself, giving himself he redeemed us from all iniquity. In redeeming us, he has begun the work of purifying us. And that allows us to do good works. And indeed, it is expected that we should do them. Now we are called to live righteously. And Christ's work in us should be reason enough to do so. Let's end in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the opportunity once more to come here tonight, Lord. Lord, I thank you for just... Um, uh, allowing me to speak, Lord, and that you allowed um, yourself to speak through me, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll just help us to remember what we've learned tonight, Lord, that you have um, worked in the past, Lord, to save us and redeem us, Lord, and that you are purifying us and that you have called us to do good works, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to live Christ-like lives, Lord. I pray that you just um, help us to always remember these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.